Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You really should give them a call. You can find out more by visiting the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. And Shockett is the president of the National Federation of Republican Women, having a big meeting up in uh, by uh, annual convention in Orlando. We'll be finding out about that. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And Naples former mayor Bill Barnett will be joining us as well. It is September the 23rd, and on this day in 1875, Billy the Kid was arrested for the first time after stealing a basket of laundry. He later broke out of jail and roamed the American West, eventually earning a reputation as an outlaw and murderer in a rap sheet that allegedly included 21 murders. The exact details of Billy the Kid's birth are unknown, other than his name, William Henry McCarty. He was probably born sometime between 1859 and 61 in Indiana or New York. As a child, he had no relationship with his father and moved around with his family, living in Indiana, Kansas, Colorado, and Silver City, New Mexico. His mother died in 1874, and Billy the Kid, who went by a variety of names throughout his life, including Kid Antrim and William Bonney, turned to crime soon afterwards. Uh, McCarty did a stint as a horse thief in Arizona before returning to New Mexico, where he hooked up with a gang of gunslingers and cattle rustlers involved in notorious Lincoln County War between rival rancher and merchant factions in Lincoln County in 1878. Afterward, Billy the Kid, who had a slender build, prominent crooked front teeth, and a love of singing, went on the lam and continued his outlaw's life, uh, stealing cattle and horses, gambling and killing people. His crimes earned him a bounty on his head, and he was eventually captured and indicted for killing a sheriff during the Lincoln County War. Billy the Kid was sentenced to hang for his crime. However, a short time later, he managed another jailbreak, murdering two deputies in the process. Billy the Kid's freedom was brief as Sheriff Pat Garrett caught up with him in, at the Desperado at Fort Sumner, New Mexico, on July the 14th, 1881, and fatally shot him. Although his life was short, Billy the Kid's legend grew from uh, following his death. People, to, He is a, a famous symbol of the Old West, along with such men as Kit Carson, Jesse James, Wild Bill Hickok, Doc Holliday, and Wyatt Earp, and his story has been mythologized and romanticized in numerous films, books, TV shows, and songs. Each year, tourists visit the town of Fort Sumner, located about 160 miles southeast of Albuquerque, to see the Billy the Kid Museum and gravesite. Amazing that we'd have a testament to such a man, huh? 21 murders. Well, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on Tuesday announced that Joseph, Dr. Joseph Lapado would be the state's new Surgeon General and Secretary of Health Department. Joe had a remarkable academic and medical career, DeSantis, a Republican, said of the Harvard-trained MD and PhD. Lapado is uh, awaiting the approval of the Florida legislature, saying We've done, we're done with fear, according to the Real Clear Politics. That's something that's been, unfortunately, a centerpiece of health policy in the United States Ever since the beginning of the pandemic, 
and it's over here, expiration, it's done, said Dr. Lopato. Lopato said that the state will approach COVID-19 openly and scientifically. The state will approach policymaking, he said, in a manner that is very explicit about the differences between the science and our opinions. How refreshing. What's been happening over the past year is that people have been taking the science and they've been misrepresenting it. It's been unclear where the discussion about the science ends and the discussion about how you feel about the science and what you want people to do with the science begins. So true. According to a TV outlet, when asked when he thinks about vaccination against COVID-19, he responded, the state should be promoting good health and vaccination isn't the only path to that. It's been treated almost like a religion, and that's senseless, right? There are lots of good pathways to health, and vaccinations are not the only one. How refreshing. DeSantis, who has promoted the use of the other ways to treat COVID-19, said information that suggests alternative treatments to vaccines have been suppressed by the powers that be in Washington, D.C. Speaking about monoclonal antibodies, DeSantis said, I don't think, I do think, that one of the reasons that we uh, this was not something that we put out there very publicly by the experts and by the powers that be in D.C. is because they feared that if you tell people there's an effective treatment, you'll tell people COVID treatment is a treatable illness, they'll fear some people would say, well, you know, maybe I won't get vaccinated. I'll just get the treatment. People like me. <laughs> and so they didn't want the, the message out there because they feared how people would behave. DeSantis went on to criticize Biden's administration for cutting uh, Florida's supply of monoclonal antibodies. That's wrong, the governor said. That's dead wrong. And that's why they're targeting Florida. Biden, he loves talking about Florida. He hates Florida more than anything. And this is absolutely going to hurt people, said DeSantis. Right about that. Oh, and by the way, today or yesterday, Governor DeSantis was joined by the Surgeon General Joseph Lopato, or to be and uh, Education Commissioner Richard Corcoran to announce that the Florida Department of Health issued a new rule empowering families to decide whether their healthy child should be taken out of school after the exposure to COVID-19. Emergency rule uh, prevents the unnecessary exclusion of healthy students from in-person schooling, safeguards the rights of parents and legal guardians and their children, provides health protocols for symptomatic or COVID-19 positive students and provides opportunities for parents and legal guardians to choose which protocols to implement when their student has had direct contact with someone who tests COVID-19. It's effective today, September the 22nd. That was yesterday, of course, 2021. Parents have the right uh, to have their healthy kids in school, said Ron DeSantis. In-person education is important for students' well-being, their education advancement, and their social development. The idea that schools are somehow a big problem when it comes to the spread of virus has been refuted yet again. Not only is the forced quarantining of healthy children disruptive to students' education, but in many folks in Florida are not able to work from home. In this rule, we will be able to symptom-based approach to quarantining students in Florida. Again, well done, Governor. Glad to hear it. By the way, Vermont, with the highest vaccination rate in the country, 69% of adults have been fully vaccinated, has set a new record for a high number of COVID cases. This comes just three and a half months after Fauci said with 50% of the adults vaccinated, we wouldn't see significant surges. The same pattern is happening all around the world in most vaccinated countries, including Israel. What's up? Something strange going on. I think it demonstrates to some degree that 
this vaccine has not been uh, as not as powerful and uh, capable of fighting the disease as some thought. Well, the United States Senate aims to vote next week on raising Washington's borrowing authority and keeping the government funded. The chamber's number two Democrat said on Wednesday, but strong Republican opposition could lead to historic default on the nation's debt. Senator Dick Durbin said the chamber sometimes next week would take up a bill passed in the House on party line of representatives' vote. Senate uh, Republican leader Mitch McConnell has said that his caucus will sink the emergency legislation to suspend the $28.4 trillion federal debt ceiling. Republicans have said Democrats should act alone to raise the debt ceiling using a maneuver called budget reconciliation. Now, this is short. Time is short as funding for federal agencies expires on October the 1st, and the U.S. Treasury has warned it could run out of money to pay government bills by sometime in October, potentially triggering a default. House Budget Committee Chairman John Yarma said, Parliamentary obstacles prevent Democrats from including language to raise the debt ceiling in the social spending bill uh, moving through Congress under budget reconciliation. It further complicates a messy picture for Congress, where talks aimed at police reform collapsed on Wednesday, and the moderate and progressive wings of President Joe Biden's Democrat Party are deeply divided on the size of the proposed $3.5 trillion social spending bill. So here's, uh, in my opinion, uh, of course, and Janet Yellen, a lot of folks are very upset about the potential of defaulting on government debt, closing down the government. I, for one, am not one of those people. I think it's the one card that the Republicans hold right now to, uh, if, for example, we pass these bills, we are absolutely subordinating our health and future financial health of the, of the uh, country by having these uh, programs, social programs, human infrastructure, and so forth go through. We just don't have the money to do it. And so now the Republicans should say, look, we're not going to vote to increase the debt ceiling unless uh, you come up with a plan that demonstrates how we're not going to uh, destroy this country with debt uh, going forward. This is going to lead to another $10 trillion in debt by the next decade if, in fact, the Democrat plans go through. So now is the time to say, nope. Not going to prove it. Let's see your plan. We want to see the plan that you have in order to keep us uh, solvent. And anything short of that, uh, we should just absolutely not budge until they come up with a plan. Like, for example, not passing uh, these bills. Now, in the meantime, the Democrats are in total disarray. Senator Bernie Sanders and ten other senators said the statement they voted for a bipartisan infrastructure bill with the understanding that the two bills would move together. Well, now Nancy Pelosi is considering not doing that, and it's got everybody all tied up in their underwear up there in Washington, D.C. That's a good thing. This segment of the show brought to you by the good things at uh, Johnson's Air Conditioning. Good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They take care of our air conditioning. They do a great job. They'll do a great job for you. Just visit the website and give them a call. Johnson'sAirConditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. The website is LifeInNaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network.
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Ann Schockett, the president of the National Federation of Feder- uh, Republican Women. Right now, we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you. Uh, tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, Florida Citizens Alliance has, for several years now, been leading advocates for improvements in Florida education. We want to support parents and everybody that loves kids and helping the kids have the very best education. We're just regular grassroots people that identify problems and bring solutions to bear on them. And we've had some notable success with Common Core and other things, and we keep pressing on because we want our kids to have a great education and thrive because of that. Absolutely. Uh, the website is goflca.com. Goflca.com. I highly recommend it. It's a terrific organization. It had tremendous impact in Tallahassee and with the Education Commissioner in uh, Tallahassee as well. So, been some major victories here uh, recently. And uh, I'll just cite we talked about on the show just a, in a few moments ago about the governor's decision to allow parents to decide when kids should be quarantined. Imagine that. You know, imagine that we should actually trust parents to have good judgment as it relates to their children. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's the most common of common sense, isn't it? Yes, it is. And and we need to we need to trust the parents and then expect them to to do the right thing. 
and, and we all know the vast majority of parents are going to do that. They know their kids best. They care about their kids more than any of the rest of us. And for the governor to, to issue such a common sense statement, I mean, uh, it's a, it's about time sanity returns to some of this, don't you think? Uh, I definitely do, Pastor. And, of course, uh, apparently a judge has now upheld the governor's uh, mask, uh, uh, anti-mask mandate, I guess it would be. In other words, they, he's he's saying the kids should not be wearing masks in school. H- are the uh, school systems going along with this? Well, some of them are, and, and you're correct. It is the law because the governor's uh, executive order and because of the parents' rights bill. Uh, we talked to one school district um, legal counsel this week who said the law is the law, and it, that's what they're going to do in, in, in his school district, and we were very encouraged by that. But we also got a call this week from a parent who is still fighting the mask mandate in a school district in Florida, and I don't want to talk about the details out of respect to their privacy. But the school district is saying, you have to prove to us that, that you have an objection because they asserted a religious objection to the mask. Hmm. And, uh, you know, the religious objections and issues of conscience have always been very important to Americans. Many of us consider freedom of religion our first freedom because if you don't have freedom of conscience to do and to conduct your life the way your conscience guides you, what do you have, really, in terms of freedom? Right. And so the school district was going to put them through a bunch of hoops just to say, well, and once we get all this information, we'll consider whether we should grant you a religious exemption. Well, I'm not a lawyer, but the law has never put the burden on the person. The law has always put the burden on the government to show that they have a compelling interest. And uh, so we're, we're trying to help that parent navigate through that and help the school district realize that, no, this is ridiculous. You can't be doing this to people. Yeah, well, good, good effort there. Now, uh, you recently won the Florida Citizens Alliance a, a, a victory in court about the Sunshine Law. Things should be in, in, out in the sunshine when making decisions about things like uh, textbooks and which textbooks should be used in school. Any developments with that? Well, it's, interestingly enough, we were on a call with our team, we, a call we conduct every month, and one of them uh, heard about our victory. We talked about it a little bit on the call to explain that to, to, what, to everybody what that meant. And uh, she spoke up and said, well, wait a minute, does that apply in my county? And, of course, we said yes, because the Sunshine Law is a Florida law statewide. And she described their situation, and I said to her, it sounds very much like the, the, the uh, decision we want applies in your situation and that they haven't been making these decisions in the sunshine. And we encouraged her to take the Court of Appeals uh, ruling back to their school district. And I said, it sounds like they're going to have to start from the beginning on this process because they have to conduct it in the sunshine. It really comes down to our school boards make decisions and they have to make decisions in the sunshine. That's been Florida law and we have valued that for a long time. Sometimes they delegate some work to another group, which is entirely appropriate, but when they delegate to that group and that group has decision-making authority, the court said you have to operate in the sunshine. Mm-hmm. So we, we thought this is first indication that it's having an impact across the state, and that's a very good thing. So what happens to the decisions that aren't made in the sunshine? Well, that's a very good question, and um, that's one of the things that we have to sort out because the, the Court of Appeals sent the, the, um, the, the problem, shall we say, back to the lower court. Uh-huh. So later this fall, we will have to have a meeting with the judge and the, um, and the attorneys 
and sort out now what do we do to, to remedy this situation because clearly the school district violated the law and how do we make sure that doesn't happen both going forward and is there any remedy for the, the mistake that, that was made back in 2017. Yeah, I mean, this it has, if I'm not mistaken, some of this involves the textbooks that are purchased, and that could be right. a big deal financially, in, a, in other words, and, and also for the kids' materials and what they're using in school. It could be a great opportunity. It opens the door for replacing bad materials. It, it could. It, it's, it's a real challenge because you're right. It happened several years ago. It, it did involve millions of dollars, and so we've got to kind of walk through that and figure out, well, how do we... How do we respect the taxpayers' cost while correcting an error that, that hurts the taxpayers? So if you, if you follow that all the way through, if the taxpayers have to spend those millions of dollars again, does that help the situation? And so it's, it's a little complicated, but we're confident we can come to a, to a resolution that will satisfy everyone and, and probably most importantly solve the problem going forward because we want the residents of Florida to always know what's happening and how these decisions are being made. Yeah. So that's the, that's the point of sunshine. Absolutely. Again, Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. I encourage you to visit the website. Make a contribution, by the way. Great organization. Uh, GoFLCA.com. GoFLCA.com is the uh, website. Pastor Rick, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Always enjoy it. My, my pleasure indeed. All right, coming up. Uh, Ann Schockett, president of the National Federation of Republican Women. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golf Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org. That's gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us Ann Shockett. She is the president of the National Federation of Republican Women. And thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you so much, Bob, for the opportunity to speak about the National Federation of Republican Women. So uh, tell us about your organization. Oh, it's a pleasure to talk about this organization. Our organization is the largest grassroots Republican women's organization in the entire United States, and we have tens of thousands of active members and local clubs throughout the nation. As I mentioned, we are a grassroots up organization, so we have our local clubs, our state federations, and the national federation, which is the umbrella organization. I'm looking at the website now, very robust, NF, let me, letters are pretty small, so I've got to remember. NFRW.org. NFRW.org is the website. So uh, what, do you have any special programs that you do? Or are you looking to increase voter registration? What types of activities do you engage in? Oh, I'm so glad that you asked because we do just about everything from campaigning, active campaigning, to legislative advocacy, to a community project, to caring for America. We are an extremely active organization because what we believe in is building up our women, empowering them to take, um, uh, to take active roles in every aspect of politics, civics, uh, all aspects of life, leadership roles, and we give them the tools and the skills to do just that. So we're involved in everything that impacts our lives as women and impacts our communities, and the nation at large. Yeah, so you've got a big meeting coming up, actually, starting tomorrow. It's the 41st Biennial Convention. Maybe you can tell us about it. It's in Orlando, Florida. Tell us about it. Well, I'm so happy to do that, Bob. This is, as you said, our 41st Biennial Convention of the National Federation of Republican Women. And I must say that we are absolutely thrilled to be in sunny, spectacular Orlando. We have over a 1,000 women coming here to Florida, and not just because we are a really vibrant and active sisterhood, but because these women, Bob, and I know that you'll appreciate it, and I love the way that you explain what this show is all about and what you believe in. That's what we believe in. We see that the direction of our country uh, is not the direction we wanted to see go in. Right. We want to take action, and that's what we've been doing, and we want to take back America. And NFRW really is the perfect place and the perfect opportunity for women who want to get involved in, in those particular uh, missions. Maybe you could tell us about the pro. You've got some great speakers lined up. Oh, my gosh, Bob. We have a fantastic lineup um, to talk with us because... These Republican leaders and also um, people who are experts in international uh, as well as national issues want to be here. They recognize the value of our women who are leaders in their communities. And as a matter of fact, the theme of our, um, the theme of our uh, biennial is launching leaders. We have nine major national Republican leaders and experts in 
as I said, the most timely issues. And we also have the red carpet premiere of the movie Reagan. And I think that the people who stand out as uh, some of the leading people that we are having present to us are your governor, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and First Lady Casey DeSantis. Uh, we have an opening ceremony on Friday night. We have Governor Nome of South Dakota, uh, former Governor Huckabee of Arkansas. We have Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina. We have so many wonderful uh, people. Byron Donalds, I'm trying to think of the people actually from your particular yeah. state. Oh, Kat Kamek. <clears throat> we have people, congressmen, senators, and leaders in, um, as I said, on the issues. So there are so many people who are here who want to be here to speak to the women, give them the tools and the information so that when they return to all the different aspects and all the different places throughout our nation, they will take back the messages that we need to, 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 to understand and promote. Uh, that is terrific. So uh, is it an open organization? Can, other, can uh, women join? Oh, absolutely. Um, if you are a Republican woman, we invite you. It's very, very easy to join. As a matter of fact, and thank you for mentioning our website, nfrw.org, uh, not .com, but .org. What you'll see is a little um, uh, uh, word, join us, and it will take you to a map. And if you click on that map, you will see the most local club in your area. As a matter of fact, I'd like to do a little shout-out, if I can, for the Florida Federation, since we are in Florida. Hats off to the Florida Federation. That's under the leadership of Deborah Tamargo, who is the president. They have 45 local clubs, and they are growing. Just last month, I was here to present charters to three new clubs. And um, this is a banner term, Bob. I'm so excited. This is a banner term, banner term for NFRW. Across the United States, we have 105 new clubs, which brings us over to 1,200 Republican women's local clubs across the nation. So this has been a very exciting year. You know, I've had the uh, pleasure of actually uh, being a speaker at one of the me local meetings here in Collier County for the National Federation of uh, Republican Women. And I must say, they came up with some pretty good questions I couldn't even answer. <laughs> <laughs> some of them. So uh, you have my direct number now, and as a matter of fact, I don't know where in Florida you're you are right now, Bob. But if you would like to attend our welcoming ceremony, please be my guest. Just let me know. Uh, well, you're very kind to say that. Actually, I'm in uh, Collier County, a couple hours away, but uh, won't be able to make it today. But it sounds like a very interesting opportunity. So uh, when the uh, women go back, I mean, one of the things we're proud of uh, when uh, President Barack Obama was elected, there were 700,000 more Democrat voters in uh, Florida than there are uh, than there were Republicans. Now, as of the, the first of the year, coming up at the first of the year, we will actually have more Republicans than Democrats registered in Florida. I'm sure the, uh, the uh, National Federation of Republican Women has something to do with that. Oh, absolutely. And we're very, very proud. I have to say, I come from the great state of New York, and I know that there are women from other states, and I tell you, we are very sorry to be saying goodbye to some of our wonderful people who have been part of our, the fabric of our states for many, many years. But they are, they are moving to your, to your wonderful state because of the opportunities, because of the freedom, because of the leadership, the Republican leadership. And I really hope, Bob, 
that what happens is that they remember when people do leave their states, they remember why they're leaving and why they're going to bright red states like Florida because of the opportunities that are offered there. Right. We just encourage Democrats not to bring their politics with them. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is a great place to, you know, I'd like to see some sort of a civics exam or something, some, some sort of entry <laughs> program for... Uh, for good idea, Bob. <laughs> Well, again, and it just sounds like a terrific program. I know you're excited about the next three days. It's going to be a great program in Orlando, Florida. Again, the National Federation of Republican Women. And again, the website, Ann? It's nfrw.org. And if you go on there, look under events, it'll be nfrw.org slash convention-orlando. There's still time if somebody would like to join us. We have so many workshops. On, on the most timely issues affecting us from critical race theory to election integrity to, uh, and we have, as, as I mentioned before, wonderful, wonderful presenters, a campaign management, um, seminars. Uh, we are offering it all. This is a great opportunity. And I thank you again, Bob for letting me speak about this. I look forward to meeting you sometime in person. I would look forward to it as well. Again, NF rw.org is the website and i really appreciate your commentary here on the show thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for inviting us take care bob and have a wonderful blessed day you as well thank you ann all right coming up we're going to be visiting with seton motley he is the founder and president of less government we're going to do that and more right here in the bob harden show on the bob harden broadcasting network Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees. I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence, serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities 
Visit www.optimaed.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a wonderful uh, performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Tell us about Less Government. I can't. Um, <laughs> the Democrats are in charge. Um, yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government. And the Democrats do not. No, they don't. It's just incredible. Gosh, well, anyhow, you wrote a great column, Trump Trade Principles to Mitigate the Climate Alarmists and Their Many Taxes. It was right on point. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah. uh, When I heard the Democrats propose this, I immediately thought it was a good idea because it fits in with all the trade ideas that we've been promoting for is at least 2013, if not sooner. And, of course, we were very much aided in 2016 when, in 15 when Trump decided to run for office. They're, they're Trump's trade policies. They're America first trade policies. It yep. is unfair for a foreign, company, foreign country to tariff our stuff, limit our imports, subsidize their exports to us while we completely give them unfettered access to our country. Um, that's a terrible idea. It's, it's, it's one of the many reasons why, and one of the biggest, we lost tens of millions of jobs yep. over the last half century. Right. It's because we made it more and more attractive to leave this country and establish your business elsewhere, including a lot in China, which has been grown into be a national security issue in addition to being an economic one. Now, we have the Democrats who want to tax the crap out of us, regulate the crap out of us, just like they do on everything else, in the name of climate change. Yeah. Now, I think it's a total lie. I think I have fifty year, at least 50 years of evidence of them being completely wrong in every climate prediction they've made. To say, you know, I put on social media yesterday, being incessantly wrong used to be a disqualification, and then the left took over. Yeah. Um, They've been wrong on climate change for half a century, and they're still pushing it, right. and, and they're getting away with it. Right. And, and so anyway, in the name of all this, they want to impose a bunch of regulations, a bunch of taxes on our country. Meanwhile, China, Europe, Japan are all firing up more and more coal power plants. Because why? Because coal's actual real energy. It's cheap, it's easy to get, and it's easy to use. And it's clean, um, and it's clean too with with it, modern it, technology. Right, right, and 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 it, yes, it, it, all, all this is, is so infuriating because we we've lost so many arguments within this one giant argument. It's amazing, mm. but yes. Um, so the Democrats came up with this, and I can't remember where I heard it first. But anyway, the idea was to impose a tariff on stuff from countries that aren't doing anything aren't in, inflicting themselves with the economic damage we're inflicting upon us. Because that would be just another subsidy, just another advantage right. for other countries um, to, uh, versus us with regard to trade, with regard to business and commerce. Um, 
if you can go to China and not have to adhere to all these climate change regulations, or you can stay here and get regulated and taxed to death in the name of climate change, what are you going to do as a business if you can move? You're going to move. Right. So I'd like to at least, you know, if we're going to do this, and it appears it is irreversible that we are, I would like to not pretend that we live in a vacuum. This is a climate, a global problem, right? Why are we the only country on the globe that's going to inflict ourselves with this economic damage? It doesn't make any sense. Even within the confines of their fake science, it doesn't make any scientific sense. Well, and we could completely shut down our entire economy, and it wouldn't matter. But the, the, the very premise—the very premise of climate change—is is flawed. I mean, we, we it's should. It's a be, lie. It's a lie. It is an absolute uh, lie. It, photosynthesis is something that keeps us alive right, and keeps right. us well. It helps plants yeah. grow. It's, it's a perfect symbiotic relationship. They inhale what we exhale. Right. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's almost like God had a plan. <laughs> and, and you know, as I say, if, if you want to. If you want to green the planet, don't hate, respirate. Right. Um, you know, exhale. The plants will love you and thank you for it. Right. Um, this is also, like I said, there's a million lie, lies and battles we've lost within the giant war that is climate change. And that's one of them. Carbon dioxide is not a pollutant. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not. Right. Um, and we're treating it like it is. And remember how we got to this point. The regulatory agencies under Obama were trying to treat carbon dioxide as a, as a pollutant, which is absurd. So some people with some tether to sanity sued the regulatory agencies. And those scientists on the Supreme Court ruled that carbon dioxide is a pollutant, <laughs> which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, one, they're not scientists. You know, we're always told to follow the science. Well, they're not scientists. And B, it's patently absurd, as we discussed. Everything green out your window needs uh, needs carbon dioxide. Right. I mean, it's just, it's just so dumb. It's so true, uh, Seton. And uh, you know, now there are certain things that, well, if we, have, for example, have flooding and things are going, we build a dike system in in the uh, up in Louisiana. I mean, I think that's all good. It's got nothing to do with climate change. It has to do with taking care of human beings and the places that they're living. So uh, we should right. separate uh, safety. And security measures for from climate issues from climate change and the whole notion that it's carbon dioxide driven. Well, well, yeah, yes. The the the, the premise should be doing, mitigating what would happen to humans. Now, of course, another one of these aspects that we don't talk about is the planet getting warmer is actually better on the pole for humans. Right. <laughs> I mean, that means you can you can grow food in more areas of the of the more parts of the world. Um, you, you know, you, you, you can be a lot more active in a hundred degree temperatures than you can be at ten below. Right. Um, it's just it, the whole thing is so dumb. It is. And I simultaneously wanted to start weighing in on this because you know it's just so ripe for you know rectification and assault. And then part of it, go, part of me doesn't want to win because it's just so dumb. It's just so stupid. Okay, sorry. I know. I totally get what you're saying. And of course, we're right on the eve of now passing this 
human infrastructure program and the Green human New Deal. In, oh. Human infrastructure. <laughs> yeah, stupid. What does that mean? You're going to give them a liver transplant? What the hell does that mean, it, human it, infrastructure? It's just so stupid. I mean, you, when you read Animal Farm, when you read uh, 1987. 84. 84, excuse me. Uh, and 87, the sequel? No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know, but I, I, I had a little b- a problem there. But the point being, but, the point being is that all this stuff was... This is exactly how we're operating right it. now. He called it. He did. My, my favorite comedian, Steve Hughes, talks about this. He, he talks about thought crime. You know, hate crime <clears throat> is thought crime. It's what you were thinking at the time you committed the crime. I don't care if I'm dead because you wanted my wallet or because I'm white. <laughs> I care about the fact that I'm dead. It doesn't matter why. Freaking prosecute the guy for murder and move on. Yeah. Don't, try to, don't try to guess what was in his head at the moment. One, I don't care, and two, it's impossible to do. Exactly. Um, and, and, and as Steve, you said, George Wolf was rolling over his grave going, I told you, didn't I? I got the year wrong, but I told yeah. you. I told um, you I was sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, it's again, you know, and, and, and another accidentally predictive movie, Mike Judge's Idiocracy. You ever see that? No, I've never seen it. Oh, you got to see it. Mike Judge was a bass player. In Austin, Texas, I actually played on the same stage with him uh, years and years ago, and he started doing Beavis and Butthead, and he became a huge success. He did uh, uh, Hill, the Hank Hill cartoon, Forever, Um, uh, King of the Hill, the the cartoon that was on Forever. Um, He did a bunch of movies, including he did Office Space, which is a great movie, and he did Idiocracy, and what happens is a normal guy with a normal intelligence gets put into a cryogenic stasis, wakes up in 200 years, and everybody's so stupid, he's like a genius. <laughs> that sounds like something I want to see. Idiocracy is the name weekend, of the movie? It's hilarious. Idiocracy, right? I mean, it's, it's it, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in it. It's Hollywooded up for teenagers. Uh-huh. But, but the underlying premise, if you can hang in there, the underlying premise is again and again and again driven home, which is we keep getting stupider and people are dazzled. You know, this guy's dazzling everybody with his intellect. And he's like, when I went to sleep, I, I, was, a, I was a book filer. I mean, yeah. now, I'm, now I'm a rocket scientist. It's absurd. Uh, Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. <clears throat> I encourage you to visit the website, lessgovernment.org. You'll find the column right there. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And if anybody hasn't read it yet, read 1987. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank you, Seton. Alright, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. 
To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs, and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Bob. Always a pleasure, regardless of the weather. I'm on the Bob Harden Show on Thursday. Well, we just always look forward to it, Bill. <laughs> of course, you're up there in that beautiful weather in, uh, in upstate New York. Yeah, it's rain, and we've got rain for the next three days, but I don't care. Oh, no. Wow. Well, it's beautiful down here and awaiting your return, Bill. <laughs> well, thanks. I was just there and went back up yesterday. Oh. So uh, I understand you've got something to read for us. Yeah, I sure do, Bob. Uh, we've been talking about new candidates and whatever, and I'm going to read this to you and not run you out of time. This comes from Peter Gow, G-O-U-G-H, who is a, uh, a Heitman disciple. He, he runs what Heitman does, pretty much, and he is a dissident if there ever was one. It was an email. Uh, came in the other day, Tuesday, the 21st September. New Naples City Council applicant, heavy pro-developer, and Barnett supporter, and his name is Ian Rudnick. Update. It seems that prior council applicant Oppenheimer has dropped out, replaced by Ian Rudnick. Rudnick is another realtor dedicated to pushing Naples towards a denser, higher, and commerce-oriented community. See picture of Barnett flanked by acolytes Rudnick and Gary Price, council member, whose term expires February 1st, 2022. Rudnick resigned from the Naples Police Department to be a full-time property realtor developer. His brother Josh is a Naples attorney, and then it lists what Josh does. Rudnick and family are dedicated to and live from developing Naples, period. Rudnick, like realtors who ran in the past two elections, will be heavily backed by the developer cadre and their fringe industry attorneys, builders, developers, architects, and their supporters. Barnett, Pasadomo, Price, Phil McCabe, Hoffman, et al., furious about the recent surge of active voting by their real Naples residents, those who live here and luckily vote here. And then, and that's, that's it. And then he says, please pass the word to neighbors and fellow residents to vote for and support Hutchison and Chrisman. Thank you, Peter Gow. Now, um, I, I will tell you, Bob, that Ian Rudnick 
is a um, is our is a new candidate. He is a phenomenal young man. It doesn't mention there that he served 17 years on the Naples Police Department. Ah. He's married. He has uh, he has some children. He he um, is absolutely a realtor. Um, his record was impeccable, and we want him as a as a council member. All that garbage that Mr. Gao makes up and and whatever are just pure scare tactics. And um, this is not the first time that we've heard from him. And he, what he does is he just gets the residents fired up. Um, uh, always has and always will. So just wanted to give you that little piece of information. Ian Rudnick is a wonderful, wonderful young man, and we have to do whatever we can to get him elected. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, to me, though, I'm just really puzzled. First of all, Naples is pretty well developed anyhow, number yes. one. Number one, but number two, I mean, we've got code in place that's uh, strictly enforced or should be. Correct. And uh, so if he wants to develop something and has the property, owns the property, or has uh, some investors who own property, what's wrong with developing if it's being done by code? <laughs> well, he, you know, there there is so much to what you just said, and and we all know that, and anybody that lives here, it's like, you know, Mr. Gow wouldn't be here. He lives down in Old Naples, and... He, he wouldn't be here uh, if it weren't for developers or realtors right. that, that, that make our lives so well and everything thrives in Naples. And yet he makes it sound like um, he, he, he makes it sound like these people are the worst people in the world. Um, and it, it just absolutely just just annoys me to no end. There's a letter from um, I won't mention her name, but she sent it to a, a friend of mine and she said, have you seen this? Is it factual? It's like the scare tactics, tactics down in that seems like in that old Naples part of uh, town, just uh, this, all that this guy has to do is, is start sending out these emails. And that's what he did for Heitman too, you know, a whole lot of nonsense. And you notice my name is linked with the developers and what has Barnett done and whatever. It is. <laughs> I seem to forget that I had 28 years total in city government. And if I was doing that bad a job, I wouldn't have kept getting reelected. Period. That's exactly right, <laughs> Bill. So, it's, it's it's just this. So we, I got a, Ian Rudnick is his name. Correct. All right. And um, and his um, if you uh, if you have a pencil handy, it's um, it's Rudnick R U D N I C K for the number four, citycouncil dot com backslash Rudnick four. You'll, you'll find it and um. He is a classy young man, as I say, 17 years on Naples Police Department, knows the city, knows the people, um, an impeccable record. No, you know, they're not going to be able to go after him. And you notice that they never that he never mentioned other than that he retired to to be a, uh, a realtor. All right. Um, but uh, didn't say anything about his perfect record or what he's done for the for our city and our and our uh, residents. So. Yeah. Well, I appreciate yeah. you bringing this to our attention, Bill. I mean, uh, there are th three city council uh, seats coming available in February. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's three up, and uh, and we, we we don't really know what what Gary is going to do. There's rumors that he won't run, and somebody will. So we just leave that out of the picture. And um, and they are already pushing the other two. You know, Hutchison and uh, and uh, Chrisman and. Um, uh, so, and then there's another realtor, um, who has announced, uh, and his, his name is John Dugan, D-U-G-A-N. Uh -huh. I spoke with him and he seems like a pretty good guy. Uh, he, they, and, and, and Gao says, uh, uh, 
fellow Naples realtor John Dugan is also dedicated to usurping the will of the Naples of we Naples residents. Huh. So it's like it never stops, Bob, and we're not even in October yet. I know, but you know that an election is just around the corner, and it's. Uh, I yeah. just hope we get some good candidates. Sounds like we've got a couple right there. Yes. And uh, we need people that uh, not only can make good decisions. We're watching right now the President of the United States. I mean, he just doesn't make good decisions. <laughs> and you know well, what? Well, yeah. In his polls and, show and, it. And there's not much we can do about that, is there? No. And once they're in office, I mean, they're, they're going to go ahead and do whatever they want to do. And that's, uh, the, uh, unfortunately, the problem when you have uh, dissidents and you have people that are getting in office and creating all kinds of problems and uh, creating uh, windmills and chasing windmills that don't exist—it's—it's uh, it's a problem. But, you know, and before before you before you boot me off, the problem is, Bob, is that people are—you know—I I always believe in the voters, and I still do. But if you're if you're happy with your life in Naples, and you're—you know—you you don't know who to vote for, and you read something like this, and you say, "Oh my gosh, I, I don't want those people," or whatever it is, that they people don't don't realize. Now there'll be a lot of. Uh, a lot of good things about Ian, um, and um, uh, we're going we're gonna to push him. It has nothing to do with development or anything else. Here's a kid that, here's a young man that is a clear thinking, knows the city, and, and I think will be a tremendous candidate for us. Well, that's good news, Bill, because uh, we need to have good leadership in Naples, and we've had good leadership for years, and uh, unfortunately we've taken a little bit of a step back. Hopefully we can step yeah. forward to, with, this, with this new election. Bill, Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of Naples. I always appreciate your commentary. Always bringing us up-to-date, interesting stuff, uh, Bill. I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks well, for- thanks, Bob. And as always, uh, it's a pleasure for me to, to be talking with you. You have a, have a great day and a good weekend coming up. You as well. Thank you so much, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with William Yateman. He's a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about current events, including what's happening with re- this uh, human infrastructure bill and things that are going on in Capitol Hill. Michael Cannon is the uh, director, of edu- uh, director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about COVID and other things. Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of several books. His latest is What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. Larry is going to be on the show as well. I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.